Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Pat Rombaletti. Pat is the founder of the Bulletproof Your Career Methodology, a four-phase coaching system, and the author of Bulletproof Your Career. Secure your financial future and do fulfilling work on your own terms for life. Welcome, Pat. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm anxious to talk to you and to your followers. Well, I love your background and the stuff that you're doing in this world. So can you share a little bit about what brought you to the writing of your book, Bulletproof Your Career? Sure. You know, I spent 18 years in retained executive search, so working with the client side. Um, And somewhere pretty close to around the end of the recession, I really just simply started to recognize that the hiring process was getting more and more dysfunctional, disjointed for who knows what reasons, but it certainly was. And I uh, decided at that point that I should, what I call switch hats, right? So jumped over to the the candidate side um, because I had seen behind the curtains, I knew the ropes of uh, the hiring process and I knew that the pitfalls and some of the challenges and that was started to be my inspiration. But I also started to just recognize that the the days of the gold watches were gone. And ironically, I wrote my book before I did my TED Talk, which was a, about the same topic about giggers. So I wrote the book inspiring and encouraging everybody to take charge of their career for life. So it's not just bulletproof your career to land your next role, but to do actions and activities that will secure your own financial future for yourself for the rest of your life. And then did the TED Talk where I really was able to come up with the statistical information that confirmed my instincts that, you know, the the days of gold watches are gone. Uh, People need to have a Fitbit on and keep moving because uh, they need to be very agile because of the constant disruption. So all of that brought me full force to uh, working with um, my clients to help them make sure that they are always ready to be ready and that they think and act more like giggers. I like it. Now, uh, for those in the audience that don't understand the gold watch concept, can you yeah. go a little bit about that metaphor? Yeah, for sure. In your uh, audience, I'm sure that they they haven't even seen that on their parents, right? What I came to uh, understand is, so so back in the day, and it, it seems like a funny thing to say, but back in the day, you know, if you started uh-huh. to work for Coca-Cola, General Electric, um, Ford Motor Company, you would be there long enough so that you would put in your 25 plus years of service and they would give you the gold watch and you would sail off into the sunset. And that <laughs> that phenomenon has remarkably gone away that everybody seems to have adjusted to it, but it, it definitely has gone away. And, and what I discovered was that when companies back in, you know, 1965, when they were still handing out gold watches, they stayed on the S&P 500, which is a, you know, a bellwether of a successful company for 33 years. But by 1990, uh, excuse me, 19, yeah, 19, 1990, it was down to just 20 years. And it's predicted to be only 12 years in 2027. What does all that mean? It just means that clearly companies are being disrupted much more quickly. So no more more staying around and getting a pension and here's your gold watch. There's too much transformation going on inside of companies. The reason I I say put on your Fitbit is because the good thing about a Fitbit is if you haven't moved in a while, it reminds you. (laughs) And that's that's the code for today. I love that. I love that transition. 
So you talk about in your book, getting a bulletproof mindset, and you actually have a four-phase system. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. The, it, it's the most important piece. When I work with any candidate or client, and they come to me and they want to work immediately on, let's get a great resume, let's have a search strategy, let's have you know my LinkedIn profile. If they don't have a solid mindset, if they don't secure themselves, it's a it's a it's a roller coaster process when you are seeking a role, whether you're currently employed or or not employed and looking. Um, the roller coaster still exists. So my focus with with anyone is to say you take charge of your mindset. With my individual clients, uh, how I work with them is they have to have uh, give themselves a score on a scale of one to ten every single morning as to where their mindset is. Are they bulletproof, wow. which means can I, you know, am I able to to be resilient today? Have I got a positive mindset regardless of what has happened around them? And I, by the way, I also tell them if they are at a five or below, they have to text me and we have to get on the phone because they cannot be effective in their in their career or in their pursuit of a new role if they're five or below. And what my goal for them is to stay eight and above. And part of that system is measure it every morning to know where you are, check in during the day because you're getting bombarded by all kinds of negativity and distractions, et cetera. And then to have a system whereby you know that if you're starting to drop below, if your mindset is weakening, if you're getting negative, if you're feeling frustrated, things that will disempower you, my instructions to them is have a um, a go-to activity that gets you out of that. Maybe, you know, at a certain level, it's just you're a little bit frustrated, so you walk around the block. At a higher level, you get out of the house or get out of the office and go to the coffee shop. And then at a for, for me, it's always, you know, play some music that, that you know, razzes me up, right? But I make them have sort of a stepped system of activities that they will go to to turn their mindset around before they continue with their activities because they just can't be effective. No, that makes total sense. And mindset, it's the foundation for everything that we want to accomplish, right? Right. I, I believe it drives your confidence and your confidence drives your destiny. That's that's my philosophy. And if you, so you can't be confident in your role, you can't be confident looking for a role. If you don't have, uh, that's going to, if you're not confident, um, it's going to completely affect your destiny. And, and really qualified people who lack confidence wind up staying behind everyone else because of that. And that's a mindset piece. I love that. And that's what quit bleeping around is all about is your mindset. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> so um, we're talking uh, quite a bit about gigs. So what does it mean to say that every job is a gig? What do job seekers need to do about that, essentially? Yeah. First, they need to accept it. And for for different age groups, it's easier to accept. I think for um, your audience, it's probably easier. First of all, they probably had gigs or do have gigs in high school and college already. So they know what that is about. As folks have entered the workforce and thought they were going to have the, the gold watch scenario, it's a little bit harder to accept. But the concept yeah. is this, that if companies are being disrupted at the rate at which they're being disrupted, and we can see how quickly that is, um, you know, the taxi industry became almost <laughs> obliterated as soon as as Uber came about and they didn't see it coming. Right. So the, the yeah. disruption is sped up so much. So companies are going to hire a workforce. And in three 
three to five years, forces will be pulling or pushing against that company that they never anticipated. And they, in many instances, can't train up or convert their current workforce to address that. They really have to have new, fresh ideas and new, fresh blood into the organization that come with equipped with what they need, right? So in the in the days of thinking of, I'm going to get this job, I'm going to sign on, I get my W-2 and I am now employed and it's going to be a 10 to 15 to 20 year scenario is, is very unlikely, not impossible, but much less likely. So if you just think about this as, you know, this is a gig. Um, it doesn't matter whether I get a 1099 or a W-2, I need to behave the same way. And what my uh, research just showed is that giggers kind of have a way of behaving and, and acting that makes them a little bit more bulletproof. Um, so my counsel is for those with a W-2 to not sit on that and think, I'm guaranteed now and this is going to be where I'll, uh, until 10 years or whatever, I'm going to be here. But to think I'm going to come in every day, do my job, but I realize that we could all be disrupted in any moment. Yeah. Well, and I also like that too, because in a gig economy, you are uh, essentially like a, I, I don't know if it would be a consultant, but you have that consultant mindset on customer service and your employer is your client. So I can see how that wraps up and does so many other things to make you more valuable as an employee. And that's my whole uh, objective here is that not only if you start to think and act more like a gigger, you actually have more assurance of being more nimble and agile and able to adapt inside of corporate America, inside of your full-time gig. Um, if you're thinking more, I'm safe, I'm sound, and you're more trying not to make a mistake, right? That's not as, uh, as valuable in today's world as it used to be. So true. Now, you also talk about uh, curating a network. Yeah. What does that mean? It's a really different way of thinking of it because people come to me and say, I've, I've built a network. And and at the end of the day, when we dig down, what they really have is a database. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, that's not a network, right? So what, right. when I think about curating, let me give you a really good example. I was working with some folks that were inside of a, a very, very large big box company. And that big box company had a, had a, you know, retail all over the United States, but they also had started to develop an e-commerce division within their company. And I started to do some research as I was being engaged to work with these clients. And I said to them, well, you're on the retail side. Who do you know on the e-commerce side of your business? And they all said, I, I don't know anybody. I've never talked to anybody over there, et cetera. And then I shared with them the fact that their retail division was only growing by just over 5%, but their mm -hmm. e-commerce division was growing by just under 25%. Wow. So if you look at that and you use your business acumen, you, you realize that as retail stores become less viable, maybe the neighborhood has changed, maybe the real estate isn't as valuable and they decide to close it down, that's going to keep happening because they're making up for it easily on their e-commerce side. And that's a much more profitable side, right? So mm -hmm. my counsel to them was, who do you know and who needs to know you in the e-commerce side of your business? Because you need to go over there and curate relationships so that as the retail side shifts, there are there are hiring decision makers on the e-commerce side of the business who know you, know what you've done in this company, know the value that you're contributing. And when they have an opportunity, they're clearly hiring right now. As it turned out, the I was working with a, a group of people from the retail side um, and they were all at 
not entry level, but in the early stages of their career. And they said, you know, we never even look at the job boards within the company. We never look and see what's posted. And when they went back and started to look, guess what? There was a preponderance of e-commerce jobs posted and and very few posted on the retail side, right? So yeah. that's that's an, a really real world example of you need to look at where's where if you're inside of a company, where is this business going and how do I curate my network inside of this business? And if you're in a business, like, for example, if you were in Toys R Us, you would have been very wise to be curating a network outside of that realm because mm-hmm. it was very clear that they were headed for, for disaster, right? right? And that means, you know, you don't just casually wait until everything shuts down, but you're, you're looking at other retail entities within your geographic area and you're reaching out to leaders in those companies and connecting with them via LinkedIn and asking for informational interviews and making sure that you network your way into where you want to go next. So it sounds like being very intentional and strategic in who you network with, right? And and part of that is really knowing your field, where you want to be, where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot wrapped up in that. I love that. Right. And being being more curious about it, I always say, I, you know, the the now now, by the way, giggers do this, right? Giggers have a very right. vast network. That's where, you know, I think of that. And they don't do it haphazardly. It's not somebody they met at the bus station. It truly <laughs> is. Something that they've really thought about, gee, I have this piece of my business, but I need somebody who could uh, offer this service if my client needs that. So they want to be an all around player for their client. Well, um, inside corporate America, they need to do that. And quite honestly, I, I have what I saw from that group was not unusual. A lot of times people inside of a, of a corporate role only have curated or developed a network in their own department, in their own division and not in other divisions within the organization which may very well be growing, right? So I tell people, think broadly, think globally, and think bigger than you've been thinking. I love the concept. The gigger mindset relates so well to whether you're a gigger or not. Yep. It just makes you more successful. Exactly. Right? For sure. Yeah. Yep. Can we uh, summarize maybe with seven habits that you must have to secure your career and financial future for life? Sure. So the first one we just covered, which is you have to cultivate and curate a very broad community and especially mm-hmm. in emerging sectors. So I, I encourage um, folks to be looking out on the bleeding edge of what's happening Today, something can go from bleeding edge to mainstream so quickly that you've really got to pay attention to that. So that's the one of the number one. Number two yeah. is you have to be open to a variety of gigs, but do a great job in the in the role that you're in. And again, when a gigger goes into an organization, they work very hard to have a referenceable gig because that's how they're going to build the rest of their business. But at the same time, if they came to them and said, uh, hey, in, in this other department, it's not part of the scope of your agreement, but we're wondering if you could help out over here. The gigger, of course, <laughs> they always say, of course. Of course. And then they figure out how they're going to do it, right? So, yep. <laughs> so uh, what I'm what I beg of anyone inside of corporate America is to think about how can you take on special projects and contributions that help you get a reputation beyond your desk and beyond your job description. Because as the company evolves, they're going to recognize those folks and you're going to have been known. And and that goes back to the who knows you and who needs to know you and who do you need to know, right? The other uh, thing is to actively seek ways to stand out. Now, I don't mean bragging and being braggadocious, but I can tell you that giggers are not afraid of standing out. In fact, they are very calculated 
calculated about showing their clients how fabulous they are and always <laughs> working for that coveted testimony. Oh, yeah. So within corporate America, not, it's not about bragging, but it's, it's doing, it's making a difference in the work that you do and making sure that you get credit for the difference that you make. Right. Yeah. So um, I encourage people to start a career journal. And it's just something that they enter in every week and they stop for 15 minutes before they run out the door on Friday and say, you know, what, what did I, what impact did I make this week? Um, I also use it for reflection. What did I learn this week? Who did I connect with? Who do I need to connect with based on something that I learned? So it's sort of a, a 15 minute download for the end of the week. And then you summarize it for the end of the month and then the end of the quarter and the end of the year. And all of a sudden you're ready to do your own personal review because you've got it already in that journal. But that helps you be able to to remember the things that that you have done that have made an impact, right? So you you're really asking yourself all the time, Time. How else can I make a mark here and stand out? And the next one is to, to hone the ability to adapt to change. And this is the number one skill. I, I have talked to folks and said, I'd rather you forego an advanced degree and study how to be better at accepting change and be more agile <laughs> because that's, uh-huh. that's the, that is going to come up constantly. And, and too often, giggers are always adaptable. My goodness, they, they are always going with the flow because assignments start and stop and changes the order of their day. Um, but in, with inside of the walls of, of corporate America, it's, I, I encourage people to become a change enthusiast, to study it, to listen to podcasts about change, to read books about change, and to understand how they can better adapt. Because truly when when there is a transformation being made inside of an organization, they look for the people who they feel are going to be the most adaptable. So you want to be demonstrating that on a daily basis. And then number five is to take ownership and control of your destiny. And and this is real simple. You know, giggers get up every day knowing that they must do reference worthy job and, and that they their income is solely in their hands. Right. And I, I want uh, those folks who are inside of a corporation to realize that you own no one will ever care as much about your career as you do. And your loyalty must be to yourself and to your family first. So that's really taking control of your destiny. Now, inherent in all of these that we've discussed so far, that still means that you're doing a great job where you are, but you are not just thinking about just that as being the end all and be all, but you're looking constantly down the road at what this will lead to and and where where you need to be going and you're curating that network and and taking control of your destiny. And then number 6 is giggers know that one of their biggest competitive advantage and something that their clients expect is that they're always on the cutting edge, if not the bleeding edge of their area of expertise, <laughs> right? So you take social media. I mean, it's almost silly to have too big a group of social media experts inside, internal because it, that that's a platform changes on, on, a, on a daily basis. The algorithms mm-hmm. change, everything changes. Unfortunately, inside of corporate America, I found right away that it, Everyone seemed to be relying too much on the training and development that was offered by the company. Well, you know, it's great that they offer it, but those uh, that learning and development is certainly going to be offered specifically for that company's needs. After all, why wouldn't they, right? What I'm asking mm-hmm. is, you, know, you need to be much like a gigger who's constantly looking at what new skill do I need to learn? What do I need to get better at? What do I need to, how do I develop my own curriculum? I really have my clients develop a year-long curriculum for themselves. I look at what conferences they should be attending, which also helps them curate their network, of course. But 
it takes personal investment and in saying it's worth it for me to identify places where I invest in myself that put me more on that cutting and bleeding edge because it's, and, and perhaps even outside of their, you know, the walls of their company and industry, an area of expertise. They may have been in sales and want to be moving into marketing. How, what are you going to do personally to prepare yourself? So, you know, between Udemy and, and Linda, and there's so many inexpensive resources to, uh, not to mention YouTube, which is free, to get education in certain areas. So the, the only difference is, unfortunately, I don't think as many folks in corporate America take that on as their own responsibility and they leave it to the, to what is, um, you know, kind of designed for them by their manager or by someone in learning and development. And I'm saying, yes, yeah, step back and take some of that into your own hands. And then the last one, this is a, a big one. It's, I want everybody to have a 401me account. I know that people go into corporate America and they say, oh, they have a really great 401k and I'm going to max it out. And I can tell you that I work with so many um, folks who are clients who have come out of a situation and they do get some severance, but they don't have a short-term nest egg that they can touch without having a penalty. And by the time they get through between the, by the penalty that they pay on their 401k account, they might as well have, you know, not had all of that matching. So I always say, you know, giggers always have a little bit of a nest egg because they could fall between gigs. There's something about this. We talked about mindset in the first minutes of this um, podcast, it's so important that when you have your own nest egg, you have a much stronger mindset and you're yeah. able to be much more nimble and confident. And it goes back to confidence is how important that that word is and how important that is to have. So I like to call it the 401me account. And you, I say to everybody, do never max out your 401k unless you, you <laughs> have the, the breathing room to say, I can max that out plus have this 401me account. I really want that nest egg where you can look at that and go, I've got, I've got options. And that's what I want everybody to feel like they have. Yeah. Yeah. Options. Like, as you said, is so important to one's mindset and confidence. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots of awesome wisdom for anyone who works really, mm -hmm. uh, you know, entrepreneur giggers, corporate giggers. <laughs> I love this. Is there a final piece of advice that you'd like to offer our listeners? You know, I, I think the, 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 the biggest essence of, of my teaching is what I just said in, in um, the idea of you have to understand that no one, no one is ever going to care as much about your career as you do. And that's why you have to have a formula that helps you bulletproof it and take responsibility. And the loyalty needs to be with you and your family. And that's a very different mindset than most people head out into, but it will serve them extremely well. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pat. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it's been helpful and enlightening to your group. Huge to me as well. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Pat, visit her website at bulletproofyourcareer.com. Did you know that time is not your most limiting resource? To find out how to increase your productivity and have more time to do the things you love, visit secrettosuperproductivity.com.